Good morning and welcome to Grace Church at Home. My name is Marvelous and I am a member of Grace Church. Um, if you are worshipping with us for the first time today, you are truly welcome. Today we'll be continuing our long month events themed We Need to Talk About Race, a conversation as a family for the sake of the family. So far in this conversation, we have seen and talked about conversation of hope. And last week we covered conversation, um, I mean a bold conversation. Today I'll be continuing the theme and I'll be talking about conversation as a family. But before I start, I would like us to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. We commit ourselves and our hearts unto you, Lord. I pray that you speak your word and bless us. I pray that you give us your truth that will transform us to become a thriving community that truly connects and truly love one another. Thank you that you have done this and that through your power, we would see your glory and deliverance come true to set us free and cause the church and every member of the church to be the best they can be in Jesus' name. Amen. So our Bible reading for today will be coming from the book of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 12 to 26. But I'll basically read from verse 12 um, to 18 first and then later I would cover 19 to 26 as we proceed. The words should come up on the screen. Just, chapter, uh, chapter 12, from verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Hallelujah. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. The body here, of course, the body of Christ. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact... God has placed the parts in the body. God has placed the parts in the body. Every one of them just as he wanted them to be. Hallelujah. So before we delve into this passage, I would like to ask a question. What does it mean to have conversation as a family? For me, conversation is, is basically communication. So it has to do with how we relate in word, in expression, in body language, whether directly or indirectly, intended or unintended. This would either edify or discourage. It would either build or break down. So basically, when it comes to conversation, to communication as a family, 
It also means that not joining in the conversation means you are in some way still communicating. So saying nothing actually is also a conversation. So the principle behind the thinking for me here should be that we seek first to understand, then to be understood. And this is coming from a book called The um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, written by Stephen Covey. And one of these principles was seek first to understand, then to be understood. And the mindset here is that as we want to have conversation as a family on race, on racial justice, it is important that we learn to listen, to understand first before we are understood. Basically, Steve, Steve kind of explained that a lot of people, actually, when they are listening, what they are doing is waiting to throw in their own word. So in a sense, they are not truly listening. They are just waiting to say their own mind. And what happens when we listen in that way is that our bias, our filters, our own kind of background filters what is being said so much that we think we have heard, but we have not listened. So in this conversation month, seek first to understand, then try to be understood. Praise God. So it is also, when you talk about conversation as a family, it's about building cross-cultural competence. So through conversation of love as a family, we can truly grow a competence level that is cross-cultural, that allows us to then begin to understand the differences, the nuances, and, the, and begin to turn this into strength rather than barriers. One thing that you will see, there's, there's, there's um, kind of a model called the, the, the stages of competency. And these competency levels are four of them. So basically, it starts with what you call um, you know, when, when you don't know what you don't know, which is unconscious incompetence. Then, as you begin to engage in conversation, you go from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence. You now know what you don't know. It's a beautiful place to be. And this is what I hope that this month, as we start having conversation and family, we quickly get to, that you now know what you don't know. Then from there, the next stage of competency or cross-cultural competency should be that you now get into a place of where you, you kind of have a conscious competence. You know what you know. And ultimately, the final stage would be unconscious competence, where you now don't need to think about it. You are culturally competent to, to, to be in a diverse community, a diverse church, to have these conversations and to actually make the best out of what God has presented to us in Grace Church. Praise God. We are also called to shine when we talk about this conversation. As Christians, we are, to, we are communicating all the time. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 14 and 16, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So during the vision talk in the past few weeks, Ben reminded us that actually we are called to be and to shine as light in the world. So as a Christian, you are always communicating. If you are shining as light, the question should be, how are you shining this light? When it comes to racial justice, when it comes to the diversity with which God has blessed Grace Church, and of course the one around Nottingham and the world at large. So 
conversation as a family should also be deliberate. So we need to actively seek for opportunities to have conversations in a meaningful way. In other words, we need to live out the unity we already have in Christ Jesus. We need to seek actively for ways to test it, to prove it. We need to create testimonies of stepping out and having bold conversations. Praise God. So the question is, what are you communicating? When it comes to other race and cultures within the church, does our attitude, our prejudice, our assumptions, our nuances, our mindset, and the choices that we make, do they truly reflect the unity in diversity that we have in the church of God? Remember this. Racism is a what it connotes in a sense is to speak or act or think negatively about someone else solely based on their color, their class, or their culture. So according to James chapter 2, verse 9, it says that if you show partiality, you commit sin. As we know from Romans 2, verse 10 and 11, God does not show partiality. So racism is an act of sin. And as we know, the source of sin comes from the enemy, who is always out looking to steal, to kill, and to destroy, John 10, verse 10. And the act of Satan trying to steal, to kill, and destroy did not just start today. Right from the Garden of Eden, when God said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness, so that they may rule. So right there, you see God, singular, us, plural, trying to make man, singular, that they, plural. So we see a God of, un of diversity coming in unity to make man and creating diversity. The beauty and the mix of unity and diversity when it comes to the kingdom of God and how it keeps to reflect, both spiritually and physically, is just a wonderful thing. And that's what we begin to see that even though Satan, right in that garden after God created man, brought in deception and brought about disobedience that led to the fall of man, and from that disobedience we saw sin come into the world, and that sin has manifested right from then and became, you know, first of all, manifesting even as Cain and Abel. We have Cain killing Abel. But sin continues to transform. And ultimately, over the years, it has manifested in a form that we know today as racism. The act of Satan to create division in the house of God. The act of Satan to shame a people created by God. The act of Satan to, to kind of convince Human beings that they are better than other human beings in spite of God saying, I made all men through one man, Adam. Praise God. God made all men. Therefore, we must stand against the devices of Satan. And hallelujah, right there, even in that garden of Eden, after the deception, after the fall, God made a promise. In Genesis 3 verse 15, God said to the woman, and to the servant, that the son, the seed of the woman would crush your head. And we see that prophecy come true in Jesus Christ, who came to die for our sins. 
to die even for the sin of racism and nail this right on the cross and through Jesus Christ and the wonderful work and sacrifice that he made and we have an outpouring of his spirit the spirit of God that we have today that is working effectively in the body of Christ gives us this wonderful gift that we call the church of God in the body of Christ therefore we have a blessing and a living hope that we can overcome and has overcome racism and every other manifestation of the scene of division that Satan has used all these years to create ultimate mayhem and pain around the world. So as we come back to our verse for today, what we begin to see is, what is Paul talking about? He starts off with this analogy about how the church is like our physical body. So basically, similar to the call in Genesis 1, when God said, let us make man in our own image, there is an exposition of the spirituality of the church. So in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, from 1 to 4, Paul kicks this off by talking about the fact that the, 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 unite, the, the unity of God in their diversity is engaging with the church of Jesus Christ and giving us spiritual gifts that are different. So, spiritually, we have this diversity of gifts. Then Paul now comes in the other angle from verse 12, where he now says, so the church can also be connoted or makes an analogy of the physical body. And he starts using the different body parts to explain how different body parts might connote the mindset and the attitude that we might see in the church. So let's explore some of them. So in verse 15 to 16, Paul says, I mean, Paul indicates that, that maybe you are feeling excluded. One part of the body saying, I am not part of this body. He says, even if you said that, you are still part of the body. So if you are um, a, a black person struggling in the church, feeling excluded that you don't belong, you can rejoice knowing that there is hope in Christ. The Bible says, you belong here. God wants you here. Praise God. And 17 and 18 talks that maybe you, you want things to remain the same. Maybe you are that part of the body that just wants things to remain the same. But actually, uniformity is not the intention of God. Neither is assimilation of cultures. We still have challenges where some cultures feel superior to others. That increasingly, one culture has to always let go and imbibe another. But that is not what we are called to in the kingdom of God. What we are talking about here is that God loves diversity and all the cultures and all the people coming together bring a beauty that we can find way to make it work effectively through having conversation as a family. So maybe you are tired. Again, verse 17 to 18. Maybe you're tired of the tension. Paul makes us understand that you know, even though you're tired or overwhelmed, you, you can't, why, why must we go into all this? Why must we stress ourselves this much? Why, why does it matter? It's because diversity matters to God. It's because God loves diversity. God, in his unity, is diversity. And in engaging the church, both spiritually and physically, he presents this diversity in unity. Therefore, because of this, you can have peace that this is of God. So maybe you realize that it's divine placement. Like it says that God is placing the different parts where they belong, where he wants them, for the function that he wants them to do. 
So everyone you see around you in the church is here by divine placement. <laughs> Hallelujah. That means that they carry something that you need. They carry something that we should find ways to engage with them. And they also should find ways to be humble, to let God use them to build his church. Praise God. So maybe um, you, 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 you want to go solo. Like it says in verse 19. Some people, you know, just feel like, I'm done. I'll, I'll just praise alone. I'll worship alone. We'll do it as a family. We don't need to go to church. No, no, no. Hebrew 10 verse 25 says, do not, you know, encourages us not, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourages one another and all the more so that we can always be together. So maybe you just don't care. You know, verse 26, verse 25, 26 you know, talks about there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. You should care. Maybe you feel like you're going through life all alone. The Bible says if one suffers, we all suffer. You know, the death of George Floyd made me to realize that pain is not isolated. And whether it happens to you directly or indirectly, as humanity, and most importantly as children of God, racial justice should be something that we stand for. When one suffers, the rest suffers. Praise God. So when, you, when, when are you at your best? Paul talks in verse 25 also and 26 that, you know, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So there's also the theme of celebration here. There is the different celebrations that comes through the diversity and the unity that we have. And every time and in every way, we should find ways to celebrate, find ways to share good news, not just within your friends or within your limited group, but share it with the church so that we as a church would begin to see the testimonies and know what God is doing. Praise God. So what applications can we make of this? For me, one thing became very important when I looked at verse 12, 13, 14. In verse 12, Paul says, the body is one and has many parts, diversity. In verse 14, he says, and all the members, though many, is one body, unity. But in verse 13, he says something very interesting. In verse 13, he says, but it is all done by one spirit. But then Paul adds something in verse 13 that should really get us thinking. He says, in verse 13, For we were all baptized by one spirit so, that, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink, whether Jew or Gentile, cultures, slave or free, class, Paul right here comes back to, hey, just to make you understand why I'm doing this analogy, we cannot have people thinking that or bringing division in the church. We shouldn't encourage it. We shouldn't let ourselves be caught in this scene of class or of one culture feeling superior to the other. But we should actively engage in conversations that as we build our cross-cultural competency, we can actually come to that place where we are relaxed. We are at our best. It's not about changing yourself. It's not about throwing away your culture or throwing away who you are in Christ or who you are you know, naturally. No, 
It's about coming to a place where we begin to reflect the heartbeat of God, which is the unity of his church. Praise God. So in terms of applications, then, for me, one of the things is that we need to become champions of grace. And a good example of how championing this engagement and conversation as a family might work is what David Anderson says in The Art of Inclusion, a book that he's written. He summarizes verse 26 to 20, 21 to 26 into seven practical steps. And he talks about this as gracism. Steps that we can take to make sure we are constantly living in a way that is opposed to racism. So he defines racism as extended positive favor to other people, regardless or sometimes because of their color, class, or culture. So I encourage us over the next few weeks, as home groups through the LAQs, you know, to look into these seven areas and explore where we can improve, where we can do even better. Praise God. So I also encourage us as a church that we need to cross the divide. Like Jesus did with the Samaritan woman, stepping out of the cultural barriers and stepping into a place where he had this conversation with her. And we saw her deliverance and the mighty work that came out of that. You know, I know that a lot of the time we are more comfortable in our in-groups. But can we start stepping out of that and intentionally creating conversation and opportunity to engage with other people other cultures, other backgrounds that are different from who we are. Because when we do that, we do the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we do that, we open doors in ways that the enemy cannot stop it. Praise God. But sometimes, what is it that stops us? Some people say it's selfishness. Some people say they are shy. But I describe, you know, whatever it is that is so important that you are not willing to let go that you're not willing to put yourself in a weird situation because of the kingdom of God becomes a God for you. So I don't know what it is that will be stopping you from engaging. You know, sometimes people say, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm so it's so important to me that I don't put myself in a weird scenario. Therefore, if I see a Christian brother or sister on the road, I, I would not say hello. I would just pass by because I can't afford to, to feel weird. I can't afford to, to make them know I don't know their name. Let's throw away all this shyness, all this you know, self-thinking approach to things and embrace the culture that God is giving us here. Unity in diversity. Being out there, radically stepping out of our comfort zone and engaging with others. And most importantly, let's continue to learn and show empathy. You know, for me, my diversity story goes in many ways. But one important thing in my diversity story that I would say is that God started showing me through this series that he truly wants to heal me. And I wondered, what do you want to heal me for? I've got a thick skin. I feel like I've never experienced racism. I don't care about it. But as I reflected, I realized that I do care. I do have some pains. You know, I remember growing up as a child, as a young kid in Cameroon, and even though it's not even about color here, the same people, the same color, I remember tribalism, people because you are different or come from somewhere else treating you differently and sometimes making comments that are bad for children. Then I remember also the experience that I had in, in Germany where sitting in a bus, 
you realize that nobody wants to sit near you. And initially, even though I convinced myself that, oh, no, it's just because people don't like to you know, just engage with something that is different. When, they, when the car is full, then they will sit near me. <clears throat> but I was quickly proven wrong in one of the days that even though I sat alone, and the only seat left in the bus was beside me, an old man chose to stand. It stabs you in the heart when someone that doesn't know you that has never met you, meets you and does not care to know you because of what they see. What would make a man come to that conclusion? The hand of sin, the conversations over dinner tables, the side comments in parties, all those little things that make you grow up in a space where you now believe you are superior or better than other cultures, start showing up in many ways. And I'm encouraging us as children of God from, to rise and start challenging them wherever we find yourself. In your family meeting, in dinner, anytime somebody makes comments or nuances or attitudes that showcase anything that is against the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, the creation of God, you should be encouraged, be bold to stand and speak up. Praise God. So in summary for me, it's not just been personal experiences. It's also been experience even with my wife. I remember in Glasgow, coming down from a bus with my wife when she joined me in the UK, and some kids throwing stones at us and making some very racial comments. And even though my wife turned around and was shocked because that was her first experience, shocked to her bone marrow, I said to her, Forgive them, they don't know what they are doing. But I felt pain that kids that know nothing make fun of things of sin. But there was an opportunity right there, and the Holy Spirit put it in my heart to claim them for Jesus. And I did turn around and say, I claim you for the kingdom of God, you will serve God. And I believe today, wherever they are, they are worshiping, they are pastors, they are leading in the things of God. Hallelujah. So whatever your challenge my diversity story also goes in terms of my experience within the companies I've worked for. When you talk of systemic, diverse, um, systemic racism or systemic limitations, where you get into conversations that they say you are one of our best, you've done so well, every indicator of excellence is good, but you are not getting promoted because your communication style is not yet there. When people make you understand that we can't give you the next level because of who you are, rather than what you can do? Or is it when I hear stories of a young black lady that could not be given a job simply because the senior managers were concerned that the team, mostly of white uh, middle-aged men, would not accept having a woman as their manager or a black lady? But whatever these challenges, this week I want to encourage us and this month, and for the rest of our lives, to become ambassadors of the unity in diversity that God has given us as a blessing, and to defend it and stand for it as children of God. So I would like us to pray. I want you to just take a moment and make a commitment to God, that Father, from today, I release myself to you. I release my heart to you. Whatever my background, whatever mistakes I've made, I'm sorry, and I come to you now, Lord, that from today, I understand and I embrace the unity and diversity that you've blessed us with. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.